Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 72. Um, bonjour. Second episode for the week. Firstly, I want to say thank you to everybody who uh, tuned into episode one, which was with Tim Mercer, the scientist, talking all about, you know, like the biology of COVID and the vaccines and mRNA versus, you know, the non-mRNA vaccines and everything like that. So thank you so much. That was a, such a successful podcast. It literally just went like crazy. So I really appreciate you guys tuning in and supporting and, you know, sharing it and everything like that. Anyway, so today what I wanted to do is firstly, I'll give like, I'll do a quick update and everything like that. But what I'm going to be talking about in today's episode is how to say no. Okay. So I don't need to intro it. It's pretty much literally exactly what it sounds like, how to say no to all kinds of people in your life. In particular, the people that are actually, you know, permanently in your life and people that you like, because a lot of the time, you know, the where it really affects you is when you say no to somebody that you actually care about or you like or you just feel pressured by but you still want them in your life, okay? So we're going to be t- covering all facets of different kinds of relationships and how to say no. Now, separate to all of that, little weekly update. We are in, I believe, week nine of the lockdown, I think. Anyway, week nine of the lockdown, I'm recording this like one or two days before this podcast goes up. Good times. I'm feeling like you know, I feel like I'm doing more than I ever have as far as like professionally goes, which is good with the two episodes a week. There's a few other projects underway, which I'll be talking about in a little bit. I just need like full confirmation on those things. Um, so it's actually been really good. I interviewed the guys, um, Robbie and Locke from the Funny Business Podcast that will be going live next week. Now, something that I do need to like a little disclaimer, I actually put up on my Instagram, a question box for you guys. And I said, you know, if you guys want any information on like launching your own podcast, because these guys launch their podcast similar to me around the same time. And we all quit our jobs around the same time. Like, like both of them were quite successful and we were able to kind of end up doing it almost full time, you know, in under a year. So I did put up a question box and I was saying, Hey guys, if you want to know anything about launching a podcast and blah, 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 please you know, write the questions in. Anyway, the, the inbox was flooded. Thank you so much for your interaction. But I have to be dead honest, as, you know, typical as a conversation goes, because the way I structure my interviews, I just like to have a good conversation and chat. The chat was epic and you're going to learn a lot from these guys. They're awesome. But we did go a little bit off the rails and I also spent the second chunk of the podcast doing like a bit of a game where I'm, I'm, I was asking them questions from my card game, like getting a bit deep and stuff. So that was, that was really cool. But what I wanted to say was all these questions were actually fantastic questions. And I think it'd be really cool if I actually then did another podcast, like a bonus episode next week, maybe my, my second episode of the week, really delving deep into like answering all those questions that I didn't get to answer or I didn't get to ask the boys on the podcast regarding, you know, launching your own business, how to know when you're ready, everything kind of like it, it is that whole taking a leap of faith, but also more from a business or podcast perspective, like trusting your brand, how to set set yourself apart from the rest of the community, how to build an audience, all that shit. We kind of did dabble into it with the boys, but I think maybe it would be a good idea to have my like a separate episode and just really cover all those main questions that you guys sent through because they were great questions and I feel kind of bad not getting around to answering them all. Um, so that is something I am going to do within the next week or so, Max. Um, sweet. Okay, now 
What I want to do before we get into it, as as usual, we're going to go into the brain facts of the day. Now, this is kind of like, it's just more like a fun fact, and I just found it interesting. It's it's a, quite a short one, but this whole concept of why is it that we turn down the volume, like say you're in the car and the music's blasting loud and you're trying to find an address and you turn down the volume, and I remember like... I used to laugh at, you know, my mum when she'd do it and then I would do it and my friends would laugh at me or, you know, you know it's just, it's a funny thing to observe when that's happening because you think like you're using your eyes here and why are you turning down the volume, which is your ears. But turns out that there's actually a science behind it and it all comes down to the fact that all of us have a limit to our attention, right? Like all the evidence that's out there as far as like attention processing and all of that is that we, there is a maximum of how much we can process. And the way it works is we're constantly processing things consciously and subconsciously, okay? So music, while it may be subconscious, it's still taking up a fair amount of your processing abilities. The louder the music, the more of your attention is going to the music, right? There's there's more receptors that are firing. There's more areas of the brain that are lighting up when the music is louder. So if the music is too loud, your then ability to focus and hone in on something else attention-wise is going to drop down, especially when something requires a lot of attention. For example, finding something that you're looking for, that requires a huge amount of attention because you're using, not only are you using your eyes and trying to focus, but you're trying to use your eyes, remember the name of something, remember the address, remember, there's a lot of things that are going through your mind. And when you're searching for something, that is one one of the it's one of the like exercises or activities, whatever you want to call it, that takes up the most energy or attention for the brain. It's not an easy task for the brain to do because it's almost like you're looking for something that you haven't seen before. So, you know, you've got to have like, you know, your, what do you call it? Your antennas up, everything's like really focused. So you need to be able to cut out distractions. And when it comes to cutting out distractions, again, there is a, a maximum. There's a cap on how much we can block out distractions. And of course, the more intense that distraction is, the harder it is to block it out. So for example, let's say you've been meditating, right? If you're meditating and you've got like birds, you know, tweeting in the background and then one car drives past and then, you know, there's leaves rustling, that's pretty easy to, you, you almost don't even have to block it out because it's just, you know, it's just background sounds, you know. But if you've got this hectic alarm in the background, that's almost impossible to block out. You can't even block it out. It almost eats up more of your attention instead of just it being something in the background. Or if there's a baby crying on an airplane, it's really hard to block those things out because it's it's no longer just in the background. It's now in the foreground. Now, so I just spoke about your like absolute capacity that your attention is strictly limited and your ability to inhibit or to block out distractions is limited. Now, on top of all of that, you're going to find it even harder to block something out and pay attention to something if you're constantly trying to multitask. So you've got to look at the things that you're multitasking on. I've spoken about this before and to multitask on focused exercise is impossible. You are actually just shifting your attention very quickly back and forth. What happens when you multitask is that you're doing something that you know how to do really well, practiced well, and that becomes a subconscious action. And at the same time, you're doing a focused conscious action, or you could be doing multiple subconscious actions. But this idea of conscious focusing and doing two things at once 
that is not possible. So for example, jogging and talking is possible because jogging is what's the subconscious thing, right? And talking, you're doing it consciously. There are certain things that we can do at the same time that use different areas of the brain and don't really impede on the other or one. it's just become like, you know, second nature for you to do so. But if you're trying to do two focused things at once, you kind of reach your limit very quickly because you're switching back and forth, back and forth. And then it's so much easier to get distracted, right? Because like I said, you've got a capacity of how much attention you can give to something and you've got a capacity on how much you can block out. Once that threshold is reached, there's nothing you can do about it. So what I would recommend, if you've got a lot of tasks going on, make sure that you divvy it up in a way that you're doing something really simple at the same time as something more focused and then you switch those tasks to something else altogether but don't do two heavy focus tasks or don't switch between the two back and forth back and forth because you're going to fatigue out a lot quicker than if you just spent your focus on one thing at a time okay now separate to all of that other things that are going to inhibit your ability to block out um uh, distractions and they've got to lower that threshold of attention and lower the threshold of distraction is things like fatigue. Of course, if we're like sleep deprived, that's a huge one. Depression, that's different activity in the brain and different thoughts. And it's a lot harder to maintain your focus when you are depressed. Um, anxiety as well. A lot of mood disorders actually impede on your threshold of focus and your, and your ability to block things out, but also neurodegeneration and aging old people, the older they get, they struggle more with like um, focused attention and all of that. So next time you are in the car and you need to turn down the music to find a street, it's literally a science. It makes sense because you're at your threshold of of attention and what you can give your attention to. If the music is down, you now have more ability to place your attention into your visual system versus your auditory system. So there you go. Hopefully that was informative. I thought that was a cool little fun fact. Anyway, let's get into the topic of today. What I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of break down a few points that I want you to focus on. And then I'm going to go into some scenarios that you might find yourself in. I did put the call out on my Instagram as well. And I got you guys to send in particular scenarios that you struggle to say no in. And a huge one, little teaser, a huge one was employers and in-laws. So we're going to be going into that. Um, Good times. Okay. How to say no. This is something that for a lot of people, not everyone, a lot of people get better with age. And it's for many reasons. Your confidence increases. You've got life experience and all this stuff. But I don't think it's I don't think we should wait around to get older so we can start saying no to certain things. I think that if you do it respectfully and if it's fair, you should be able to stand up for yourself and say no and ask for what you want from day one in your life. I don't believe in this hierarchy of age if you're being respectful, vice versa, right? So I learned so many things in my 20s and I look back and I'm like, oh my God, there's so many things that I wish I knew how to say no to in the past. But even having said that, I know people in their 50s, in their 60s who still struggle to say no, either to people in their workplace, people that they deem to be more superior to them or people in their families or their in-laws. So this is something that can literally plague you for your entire life if you don't take some action around it. So what I want to do, like let, let's let's give some scenarios of where you can apply this one. I'm going to, what I'm going to talk about today. So obviously family, obviously in-laws, which I consider to be family as well, obviously bosses, colleagues, 
ex-partners, current partners, friends, acquaintances, and then anyone in that whole sphere that is also toxic or a narcissist. Because you're going to find that a lot of the things you might have to act a little bit differently if you're dealing with someone who's toxic or a narcissist, and I will highlight where the difference is in those scenarios, versus someone who genuinely loves you and is just wanting to be there for you and you know, they're not, they're not trying to make your life a misery. They just don't know any better or they just are unaware that they're making you uncomfortable. Okay. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to break down points that you have to, I don't really know how to title it. It's not steps and it's not necessarily points, but it's around 10 or so. I'll find out as I go, like things that you want to be mindful of when you are doing this and some things you might already be doing and some things that you you might pick up and think, okay, that's going to be really useful. But make sure that you're doing this because if you don't do these things, you might find that it becomes really difficult to then continue to say no or that your arm gets twisted because your no wasn't strong enough and and then you feel like either weird or guilty or bad or uncomfortable or awkward so you end up saying yes, okay? So firstly, number one, regardless of what you're talking about, you have to be clear on your no. You cannot beat around the bush about it. It has to be a definite no. I'm going to give examples later on at the end of the podcast what I'm referring to. But when I say a definite no, you can't be like, "Mm, I'm not sure, maybe because... No, 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 no. Just learn to say a straight up no, okay? Number two, only ever explain yourself if you want to or when it benefits you. Sometimes we get so tangled up in explaining ourselves or we get so tangled up in thinking that we have to explain ourselves that we end up just saying yes because we don't want to go through the drama of the explanation. You actually don't owe people an explanation most of the time. And when I talk about most of the time, here's my my, um, criteria of when you owe somebody an explanation. The only time you owe somebody an explanation is if it directly impacts the other person. If your decision directly impacts the other person, okay? So if you're doing something for your own sake or you need to do it for your own mental health and whatever and you don't want to talk about it, all you need to say is, I'm not going to be able to do that. I can't help you. I can't whatever. If someone's asking you to do a favor, and you say, no, you don't have to explain yourself. You might have to explain yourself if you've already said yes, and now you're pulling out. That's very different, okay? You've made a commitment, and now you're pulling out of the commitment. That's very different to someone asking you to do something and you saying no, okay? So make it clear in your head, only explain yourself if you want to or if it benefits you. If it does not directly impact that person, as in it doesn't impact their life or their day, they don't need an explanation. As much as they think they do, they don't. Number three, do not leave the door open for your arm to be twisted. Okay. So that's the whole idea of if you genuinely don't want to hang out with a person, you can't be saying, oh, maybe on the weekend, maybe this or that. And it's, this also ties into the whole excusing yourself or making, you know, reasons for why you're doing this, why you're doing that. If it all kind of ties in. But if you can be clear with your no and not need to explain yourself past what you need to say, then it's going to help you not leave that door open for your arm to be twisted and for people to come in and think, oh, but what if I did this? What if I sweetened the deal like this? What if I tried to make you feel guilty? What if I emotionally blackmailed you? All these things are ways that people can twist your arm, okay? Number four, you need to learn how to sit with the discomfort, So often we avoid saying no 
because in that moment, it is fucking uncomfortable. I get it. You get it. We've all been there. We have all been in a situation where we've ended up saying yes, just because we can't fathom the awkwardness or the situation that's going to unfold if we were to say no. But the truth is, it is short term pain for long term gain. Okay. And vice versa, short-term gain equals long-term pain. If you say yes for that short-term gain, you gain in the sense of like I've avoided an awkward moment, I've avoided this uncomfortable situation. You then are in pain because you then have to follow through and do what you didn't want to do, okay? You have to learn that awkward situations are a part of your life and awkward situations are almost like, it's almost like the, like a prerequisite for learning how to become a stronger person. You have to go through these awkward moments. You have to go through these painful situations in order to become stronger and more resilient. That is just the the steps that you need to go through to get to where you're going to be. So when you come across an awkward situation, look at it as a challenge. Say, if I can get through this, next time I'm going to be a lot more stronger, a lot more resilient. It's not going to feel nowhere near as awkward, but I have to get through it. I need to endure this awkward situation and not fight it and not cave. Okay. Number five, so important. Do not apologize for saying no. Do not apologize. And the reason for this, look, if you're dealing with a nice person, fine, fuck, do whatever you want. But a lot of the time, if you're dealing with someone who is used to having their own way or worse, if you're dealing with a toxic person or worse, a narcissist, they will see this as an in, like they have an in now, if you apologize, they'll see it as a weakness. They will see that you are taking ownership for their feelings, which is exactly what they want. The moment you apologize, you are in their eyes, taking ownership for their feelings. Okay. So they will start to work on your guilt. The moment you say, sorry, there's an in for potential. You might be possibly feeling guilty or you're feeling bad. So they're going to start to work on your guilt and, and Even if you do get your way, even if you manage to say no and walk away, you're then going to be riddled with guilt and so badly that you never want to say no to that person again because they've made you feel so bad. So do not apologize. When you say no, it's got to be a clean no, no. Oh, I'm so sorry, but no, 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 no. And just wait till the end. I'll give you literally verbatim examples later, later at the end. Okay. But be clear with what I'm saying. And these points, I want you to keep them in mind when you hear my examples later on at the end of the podcast. Okay. Stop fucking apologizing unless you're actually sorry. It's bullshit. And you're doing yourself a huge disservice. You can still be polite. You can still be respectful. You can still be loving and kind without apologizing. Okay? I have cut out unnecessary apologies a long time ago and it made me so much more confident and so much more happier with myself and my life when I started to do that. Okay? Number six, respect is key. If you respect someone when you're saying no, you don't feel guilty. Well, you might feel a little bit guilty if you're used to, like if guilt is your currency and you're used to it, but you're not going to feel bad. You haven't done anything to hurt that person. You haven't. So if you can be super respectful, hold that person in high esteem, say what needs to be said and be kind, then it's always going to go well. Even if in that moment it's awkward. Long term, it's always going to go well. Okay. Never disrespect a person. Don't engage in this back and forth, back and forth. The reason you're saying no is for your own sake. If you start going in and being like, I don't want to do this because last time you did that. No, you're only saying no because it doesn't serve you. You're not going to go into the ins and outs of why because of this and dredging up the past. You're going to respectfully decline, okay? That is the best way to do it. If you start engaging in an argument of why it's a no, if you start going back and forth, back and forth, then 
Every time you have to say no in the future, you're going to avoid it because you're going to associate you saying no with a dramatic conversation, with drama. You don't want that. You want to approach no's as easy as yeses in your mind. You want it to be like, last time I did it, it was so drama free. It was so simple. I removed all emotion. I was respectful. I was kind. I got what I wanted and I left. That's what it's going to be. So always respect who you're talking to. Okay. Number six, number seven, sorry. Tell them and don't ask. You have to tell them again, respectfully. But if you ask, it opens it up for them to say no. And then you then have to turn around and be like, oh, lol, actually, that wasn't a question. It's actually me telling you the role. And then you get all tangled up and it gets all weird. Okay. So always tell them and do not ask, especially if, you ha- if you're in a position where you can do so. Obviously, there are certain scenarios in your life where it does impact the other person directly and it genuinely has to be a question. If you're in a relationship and this decision in t- like in- encompasses both parties in that relationship, you're not going to fucking tell them, are you? You have to ask them. That's what a relationship is about. But when it only impacts you directly, you tell them. You don't ask. Number eight, if the person protests only seek to understand, but that doesn't mean you have to change your mind, especially if it's somebody that you care about who's nice, who's not a toxic psychopath. If someone is protesting and pushing back, say to them, I want to hear you out. What's wrong? Always seek to understand. You soften the scenario when you do that. You calm things down. You make it yourself a, a kind place for that person to open up in, like what you create, you don't make yourself, you create a kind arena for that person to talk about it. And you don't shame their feelings either. If someone, let's say they're so used to having their way with, you know, telling you what to do and asking for all these things, but they're a good person. They're probably just used to it. It could be a sibling who's always asking you to do things and they never do anything back for you. And then if you say no, and they push back, just say, I want to hear you out. Tell me what, tell me what's going on. And then they'll speak about it. And then you're going to return and still say no. But they'll at the very least feel heard and you're going to feel better because you created like kind of a safe space for the two of you to talk about it. And then if you want, you can then say your piece. You don't have to, but you can if you want. Number nine, learn to identify when guilt is being used as a currency and reject it. The moment somebody starts to use guilt or emotional blackmail, you've got to nip it in the bud and end that conversation as quickly as possible. Okay. If someone, let's say you're texting back and forth, and this is very common with people that are very close with you. Emotional blackmail happens to people that are very close. Relationships, siblings, parents to their children and children to their parents. That's a huge one. If you're going back and forth with, no, I'm not going to do this, and they come back at you with emotional blackmail, you need to stop responding. You need to stop responding. If it's in person, you say, you have my answer which is a fucking no, and you can walk away. And if it's in text message, you don't reply. You do not give in to emotional blackmail and you do not feed the beast. You tap out peacefully. If they then go at you again, then you can say, if you want, you can then open it up to say, listen, you've heard my no, what's the problem? Talk to me. And then they can say, but if they're trying again, emotionally blackmail, that's when you pull away. You have to start to teach people how to treat you. And emotional blackmail is not your currency. You're not here for it. Be gone, you fucking lemon, okay? Now, number 10, remember, always remember, people are not going to like you more if you say yes, okay? I can guarantee you that. If you're worried, let's say, 
let's use a typical example of say you're in a group of people and there's like a leader of the pack. There's a popular person, whether it's in your family, at work with colleagues, school, uni, your 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 group of friends. It doesn't. This happens in every age in life. It doesn't. It's very common in high school, but that carries on forever. Okay. There's normally some sort of like leader of the pack, right? Let's say that they're always getting their way, telling you what to do. You're always doing everything for them because you want them to like you. You want to be included, right? Put it this way. This is, this is what you need to be very clear, really get clear on this. If you continue giving them what they're already used to having, they're not going to notice you, okay? They might like you, they might whatever, but they're not going to like you less because you said no, okay? Someone who's used to getting their way doesn't appreciate you or love you more when you give them what they're used to already receiving because that is their standard. They always get it. And because they always get it, they have some level of entitlement to getting it. So when you do something, it's just their norm. I can guarantee you that they're not going to think, oh my God, what a fucking legend that that person did that. No, especially if they put themselves above everyone else. If there's someone that thinks they're at the top of the food chain and you're below them, then they expect it from you, okay? You're not going to be rewarded for it. You're not going to be noticed because of it. By appeasing to them, you are flying under the radar, okay? You're actually doing yourself a disservice. So every time you're about to, every time you want to say no and you stop yourself because you think, oh my God, they're going to, you know, they're not noticing you. If it's the popular person or this or that, if you're giving them everything they want, if anything, they're like, oh, yep, that person is where they need to be below me. If you then turn it around and say, no, I don't have the capacity to do that for you or no, I, not today or no thanks, I'm not going, they will pause and notice, okay? Number one, they're going to pause and notice. Number two, this is where you decide, is this person worth my time or not? If they turn around and act like, and have like a bit of a tantrum about it, then you know what the problem is. This person is obviously a narcissist and goodbye. You can start to back off. Do not soften with your answer though. It's still a no, but you back off. If that person turns around and it's like, oh, okay, um, oh, oh. if they're a bit shocked or surprised, that's fine. Let them have it. They're probably not used to it. That's fine. And then next time they're going to think twice about asking you to do something that where you're going out of your way, where it's eating into your time or your own mental health and it's only benefiting them. They'll think twice about it and they're going to respect you a little bit more. At least they'll respect your time and your boundaries a little bit more than they already do. So you actually benefit saying no to somebody that you think is above you. Like I said, keep in mind everything I said before. It's always with respect. It's always, you know, all those points, I don't need to repeat them, but always remember that people are not going to like you more if you say yes. That is a fucking guarantee. Something that I kind of wanted to touch on, this is those 10 points are done. I want to now talk about work and the idea of, you know, feeling confident and being able to say no when you're at work. Okay. So something that annoyed me personally, this is a little personal anecdote, slightly off, slightly off topic, but not, um, was when I used to want to ask, when I used to ask for time off work and I was a contractor, I was a Pilates instructor and I have been for the last like nine, 10 years of my life. And I've worked in so many different studios and I'm talking about like at least 10 different studios across my time. And I used to always get, when I would ask for time off, with notice, mind you, I'm not calling in sick, that's different, with notice, and I would always be asked, like, why, what's the reason, why this, why that? 
And this is where you can start to administer some like power over yourself. If you're generally a reliable person and you're asking for time off with notice, they can either give it to you or they can't, right? It's a yes or it's a fucking no. Why do you need to know the answer? So my response would always be if they would say, why, why do you need the time off? I would genuinely say, is it necessary for you to know? And then they would get a bit, they'll be like, oh yeah, well, we need to organize this and organize that and other. And I said, well, can I, or can I not have the time off? Is that possible? You know, it's this idea of like, I was a contractor, always rocking up, always covering shifts, mind you. But so often in so many places that I worked in all these different studios, I would be asked why I needed time off. And then I would say to them, I'm a contractor. I'm giving you notice. You don't pay me for leave. So it's not really relevant to you. You're not paying me for this leave. I don't get sick leave. I don't get holiday pay. I get fuck all. When I take time off, it's on my watch. It's on my wallet. Okay. So I would get quite frustrated when my employers would have to know the reason I needed time off to then make a decision if I was worthy of having that time off. I don't think that's fair. And so I always made, well, not always, definitely not always in the first like chunk of my 20s I was always like oh well it's for this reason oh this and that and then as I learned and as I got you know further down the track I started you know saying I'm I don't need to tell you the reason I need this time off it's in this amount of time can I have it or can I not this is this is the clincher okay if you are good at what you do and earn your keep you have leeway you can you have room to move if you rock up to work do the bare minimum and you're like fuck you I'm leaving and you go you're probably going to be uh, replaceable or disposable. Okay. So it all comes down to how much you give. I knew that I gave a lot to that job. I gave a fucking lot. I was always, I was never late. I was always, you know, early. I always covered for people all the time. So I knew I had some leverage here. I'm like, I am a fucking good worker. And when I work, I'm on a hundred percent of the time, no matter what mood I'm in, I rock up and I work. So if you have that, that attitude across the board with your life. It's like, when I'm here, I'm here. I'm going to give it a hundred percent. When I say yes, it's because I'm committed. I'm going to fucking be here. I'm going to be irreplaceable. Then you have a bit of leeway when you want your demands met. They kind of can't say no. They will try to say no. But if you say, look, this is the situation. I know I'm a fucking good worker. I know that I pull my weight here. I'm taking time off. Then they're going to have to give it to you. So often, This avoidance or this inability to say no, I think it can be split into two categories. Either you feel guilty because you feel a sense of responsibility for that person's emotions or you feel fearful. That person is a position of power over you and you think it's going to impact how they see you. It kind of falls into those two categories. And when I say a position of power, it could also be like a position of dominance as well or it could be like they're older they are more uh, more like the leader of the pack, like I was giving an example before, like more popular. They might be someone that you don't know well enough so you don't really know where you stand. They could be someone that has leverage over you. Like I've got so many people that message me about toxic in-laws who like use the, your partner as that leverage. So there's a lot of situations where you might have that, you know, fearful situation, fear in the sense of like, I don't know how this is going to impact our relationship if I say no, and you kind of feel a bit threatened. And then of course, yeah, the other one that I was talking about, where it's more like, I feel bad, I feel guilty. I'm not, I'm not worried that you're going to disrespect me. I'm, I'm, I'm not worried that we're going to 
that, you know, you're going to turn around and never speak to me again. But I feel really, really guilty that I'm doing this to you. Like, I feel like if I don't follow through, I'm in the wrong. I've let you down and I don't want to do that. Okay. You've got to understand that people are so much more responsible for their own feelings than you give them credit for. And you are so much more responsible for your own feelings than you give yourself credit for. And some people will never learn that. Some people will never see that. Some people live their whole life thinking that other people are responsible for their feelings. And that unfortunately is their problem. Literally, it's their problem. They're the ones that are going to be suffering until the end of time. It's their fucking problem. Just like it's your problem if you think that other people are responsible for making you happy, are responsible for keeping you accountable, are responsible if they break up with you and you're heartbroken, they can't start dating someone straight away because they are responsible for my heart. No, can't. No, it doesn't work that way. You are responsible for your feelings, okay? And once you really learn that, like I'm talking like once you really fucking grasp that concept, you stop feeling so guilty and you only start to feel guilty when it should legitimately apply in the sense that when you've actually done something that's not in your character or your nature and it's directly hurt somebody. Sure, feel guilty. If you've been an asshole, 100% feel guilty. Guilt is a good thing in the right doses. It lets us know when we've veered off our moral pathway and it ideally kind of veers us back in. If we said something mean or were too selfish or were rude, that's when guilt is good because you're like, oh, I feel bad that I did that. So you fucking should. You were a horrible person just then. You know, go and apologize. So guilt is a good thing. You just don't want to be feeling it in excess. And the more you start to realize that we're all responsible for our own feelings to an extent, of course, like I'm, I'm not saying, oh, that person's responsible for their feelings. Go up to them and act like an asshole. If you want to nurture your relationships in your life, you obviously have to be kind but I'm talking about ultimate happiness. You are responsible for that. They are responsible for that. You start feeling less responsible for the ins and outs of how that person's going to live their life and live their day and think what they're going to think and feel what they're going to feel. Okay, so what I'm going to do now is just cover a couple of examples that people sent in to give specific answers. Um, but again, as usual, always know that just a simple no is okay as well. You don't have to, you know copy this obviously but sometimes people want to say a little bit more than a no okay so this is all stuff that either people have sent through word for word or a lot of them are kind of more like popular themes that I've bunched together as one so it might not be verbatim what someone sent through okay so let's begin people expecting favors from you when you don't have the time and energy you could say something like I'm at my capacity at the moment and I'm not going to be able to be there to help you for the next few days, but thank you for understanding. So that way you give a bit of an explanation, but without getting into any details whatsoever. And then you already presume that they're going to understand you. So it's like, bye, can't. And they really will then be awkward, not understanding you and expecting more from you. Okay. Now another one, taking on more at work when I know I don't have the bandwidth. You could say, I'm not going to be taking on that extra work as I would be spreading myself too thin and I don't want my other areas of work to suffer. So notice how you say, I am not going to be taking on. You just 
say no. You don't say, I don't think I can do it. Because they're like, of course you can do it. Fucking this and that. They're trying to empower you with all this bullshit. Being like, don't be so negative. No, 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 no. I'm not going to do it. End of story. It's not happening. No. Next one. A friend who constantly brings up serious topics like trauma or politics. Would it be okay with you if we didn't speak about this today? I'm not up for this sort of discussion. If they resist, you can say, I'm not up for talking about something heavy today. I'm going to give myself a rest day. Simple. Okay? Keep it fucking simple. Then people who jump, this this is hilarious. Someone who wrote, people who jump on you in the middle of shopping centers. I think they're referring to salespeople in the middle of a shopping center. (laughs) It could be someone random just jumping on you in the middle of a shopping center, in which case that's assault. But if you're talking about those salespeople in the middle of the corridors, then this is the easiest one of all. They are paid to be there. There's only so much they can say or do. Like there's only so much. But we feel so guilty, I think, because it's not an easy job and like it's like cold, cold sales. So, you know, you feel bad for them. But honestly, it's the easiest one. First of all, don't avoid eye contact. What you do is like if you avoid eye contact, they're going to still try and find an in and in. They're going to pursue you for longer. So you look them dead in the eye and say, hello, hello no, thank you. Have a really good day. And then you keep walking and that's it. You, you Like you can't ignore them because like they're right there, but they can't ignore you either because you're not being rude and they're just doing your job. So it's like no love lost on either end. So honestly, the best thing you can do is just be polite, acknowledge them being like, I fucking get it. This is your job. Hi, how are you? No, thank you. Have a good day. That's it. But fuck, I love that um, people who jump on you in the middle of shopping centers. Lol, that made me laugh. Okay, saying no to friends who want to catch up but you are energetically drained. You could say something like, I'm actually just having a night to myself. I'm going to chill and do some self-care. I'm so excited for it. Note with this one, like take away, take away, oh, I'm so sorry, I wish I could. No, grow a spine. Don't say I'm sorry. Don't say I wish I could, Okay. Because firstly, I love you, but there's nothing to feel bad about. And if you turn it around and show them that you don't feel bad, then they're more likely to be like, oh, okay, um, would have wanted to see you, but I'm not going to protest. If they see that you're, in, that you're happy with the alternative, they're not going to protest. A lot of the time, especially if like, A, if they're a good friend that cares about you and B, if you make it look like you've got FOMO and, oh, I'm so sorry, I wish I was there. If they're a good friend without even trying to be annoying, they're probably going to insist that you come, right? They're going to be like, oh my God, that person's like really wants to be here. Come on, it's fine, it's fine. And that's where they insist. If you make it look like your decision to not go out is the most painful thing in the world and you're so apologetic, of course a friend, I would, I'd be like, fuck, bro, (laughs) that sounds so tragic and painful. Just come out. Like people will insist because they care about you. Okay. You need to show if you don't want to go out, you need to show that you are thrilled with your decision for the alternative. Okay. That's why you say, Oh, I'm so looking forward to just having a night in. I'm thrilled about my self care night that I've got planned for myself. I can't wait. You like, what, what's someone going to say to that? No, don't have a night where you're going to enjoy yourself alone and going to have some downtime. Come and fucking come out and get lit. You know, they're not. Another thing you want to think about, if it's a friend that's asking you out, friends are quite in tune with each other of when the other person needs company. You know, like this is where you kind of have to use a bit of instincts. If you say, 
Like if, if you're talking to your friend and they're like, oh, no, I'll just stay home. Like I'd love to, I, I would love to go, but I think I'll just stay home or whatever. You're thinking this person needs company. They're not okay. They seem down. I want to cheer them up. I'm going to insist they come. I'm going to insist they come. And that's because you're a good friend. That's because you care. If your friend says, you know what? You go and have a good time. I, and then they're quite strong and confident with the fact that they want to be at home. You're not going to really be concerned about them. You're going to be like, fair enough. That's fine, you know, so don't get so annoyed in your mind or don't think, oh, my God, I can't say no to my friends. Understand that a lot of the time your friends who care about you will insist because they think that it's the best option for you. Show them that you're happy with your choice and they're not going to insist as much. Okay, so this one is um, how do you say no to meeting with an ex for a coffee? So I'm going to give you two options here. Option A, the person's not a nice person, they're toxic, they're whatever, and they're trying to get back into your life. My advice to you is do not even reply. Nothing. Give that person nothing. They are dead to the world, okay? Option number two, you obviously don't want to go. You want to say no, otherwise you wouldn't have written in. But they're like a nice enough person and, you know, they're not toxic or psycho or they didn't make your life a misery, in which case I would say, hey, thanks for reaching out, but my answer is no. All the best. Maybe don't tag all the best. I hate it when people write all the best. Ugh. But just say, thanks for reaching out, but my answer's no. And then wrap it up with whatever you would say normally as a kind goodbye. That's it. But don't, you know, this is, this is the, you've got to be clear. It's got to be a straight up no. Don't say, I don't think it's a good idea. No, 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 no. Power. No, thank you. Or just my answer is no. You don't even have to thank them. But like I said, if they're toxic, if they're awful, if they're a dickhead, please don't respond. Don't open up the fucking can of worms. Do not go down that hole. And it is a fucking hole when you're dealing with those kinds of people. Okay, next. This is a specific one because I just feel bad for this person who wrote in. A close friend who asks you for unreasonable things, e.g. driving them two hours to drop them somewhere. Firstly, I'm sorry, if this person is doing this often and you're not asking for the same things of a similar nature in return, they are taking you for a ride. They may love you, but you need to draw the line. Like you need to draw the line and stop doing that for them cold turkey. There's a line and people need to stop milking other people, okay? So if, this, if you feel that this person's using you, no matter how much you love them, you just need to, next time it happens, just almost like let them know that the demand or the request is outrageous. So you need to be like, not a chance, queen. That's four hours of my day. Love you, but no can do. Or I love you, but no, that's four hours. It's not on the cards for me. Now, this one was a really common one. Saying no when you were asked on a date or another common one was when you're asked for your number. Okay. So like I said, for the millionth time, it has to be very clear. You cannot be muddy about the answer. If you do not want to go on the date and you are so sure it is a no, okay? You should never feel like you got your arm twisted to A, spend time with someone on a date that you don't want to go on, or B, give your number to somebody that you never want contacting you. It is so fucked that still, still, and I could get so passionate about this, just fucking watch me blow up. People are still living in an age, in particular women, who feel uncomfortable or in a position where they can't, where they don't feel safe or confident enough to say no to a date or no to giving away their number. And your response just has to be a straight up no. And if you want, you can say no, but thank you. 
And if they then insist, which they probably will because most of the time they do, if they then insist, you say it's not really up for debating. Me giving you a reason is not going to change my answer. That's it. You fucking ended at that. This whole, do you know what, like this whole idea, do you have a boyfriend? Why do you have a boyfriend? Do you know how many times in my life when I've said no to giving a, a number, when I was a lot younger, I'd always say, oh, I can't, I have a boyfriend. Because that was the only answer I could give where a guy would then give up. It's like, oh, I'll respect your decision if there's another man in the fucking picture. But if it's just you alone, no, 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 no. I'm just going to keep going, 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 going because I don't respect your decision, okay? So when I was younger, I always pulled the boyfriend card, even if, of course, I didn't have one, because that was like a sure way of getting rid of them. And then I'm like, wait a minute, we're just tr- like, this is just wrong. Why do I have to say that? Can't I just have autonomy and say no because I just don't want to? Like, Even if I do have a boyfriend, the first reason I don't want to go on a date with you is because I'm not fucking interested. It's not because like, oh, I've got a boyfriend. Had it not been for him, I'd be interested. No, cunt. The first and foremost reason is I am not interested. If I didn't have a boyfriend, I still wouldn't be interested, okay? So I think it's really important that whenever possible, and of course it comes down to if you feel safe, but whenever possible, try to just say a straight up no, And don't feel bad that you have to give a reason. It's like as if people feel so bad rejecting other people. Like I said, still be respectful. Still say no, but thank you for the offer. If you want, you know, you don't have to be an absolute asshole. You don't have to, you know, make that person feel extremely uncomfortable. But it is okay to say no. We are talking about your time and we are talking about your life, your life decisions, your autonomy. Stop feeling bad saying no to people that want to go on a date with you or people that want your number, okay? That needs to end from from any gender, okay? It's just more common with men towards women, okay? But that's got to end from any gender. You just have to be straight up. And this idea of like, oh, you know, I used to feel so bad rejecting someone. Fuck off. I've been rejected so many times. We've all experienced rejection. We can experience a little bit more, okay? So don't, again, you're not responsible for that person's feelings. And also, they clearly don't know you that well if they're asking you on a date. So how bad can the rejection be if they don't even know you? Fucking relax, cunt. The answer is no. Okay, now this one, next next one is how to speak to your partner's parents when you disagree with their views. E.g., in this particular case that this person wrote in, e.g., anti-vaxxers. Okay, this is my honest, honest, honest opinion. When it comes to your in-laws, you have to, as early as possible, you have to learn how to speak your truth from the beginning. That may mean not engaging too deep in certain topics or certain conversations if you feel that it's not a particular topic that you guys can comfortably debate. I understand that you like for me, for example, there are certain people that no matter, I'm all about speaking my truth, but there are certain people that I don't even engage in a conversation with them about a particular topic because I know that it's not going to be a calm situation. They're going to blow up and feel offended or fire up and then whatever. Okay. So I'm all about speaking my truth. But having said that, I'm not going to pretend I agree with them either. Okay. I can still be true to myself, be honest, but say, don't really feel like discussing it. But as you know, I don't think I don't agree with your thoughts. Or you don't even have to say I don't agree with you. You can say things like I have a different opinion, okay? There's there's ways of saying certain things that don't seem so attacking. And if you're talking about in-laws and it's sensitive, because in-laws is a fucking sensitive thing here. Because in-laws are people that if they're great, it's fucking great, okay? It's just like the icing on the cake. But if it's not, it's kind of people that you have to spend time with because you are dating, you know, your partner, 
it's almost like you don't really have a choice, right? So that's why in-laws can be a bit of a touchy scenario. However, I would never pretend that I agree with them or totally shut my mouth. I would always still let them know if I have different views or if I disagree because at the end of the day, they have to get to know who you are. If you're going to spend a portion of your life, if not the rest of your life with this person, they need to know where they stand with you and who you are and what you stand for. Even if you're not debating them, you never have to try and change their mind. That's another thing you have to think about. Stop trying to change people's minds. If you enter the scenario being like, I have no intention of you stopping being an anti-vaxxer, no matter what I think, you're going to feel so much better about the situation, okay? There's certain people that it's just not worth it. It's not worth the drama, okay? So, but I do think it's important that you let them know that you disagree. They're not going to respect you less if you are polite about it. If you respect them, they're not going to think you're a dickhead or whatever if you're just speaking your mind. Because the worst thing is that you then grow up and them thinking you're someone that you're not and then you're having children and they're the grandparents of your children and you're fucking, like, fuck that shit. Just be straight up, okay? Like, I have, you know, I've disagreed with my in-laws on many things and I have a fucking amazing relationship with my in-laws and we have great debates and we can really debate. And they'll be like, yeah, but have you thought about this? And I'm like, yeah, but have you thought about this? And we can get into these deep, awesome discussions and it actually brings me closer with them and I actually really enjoy it. So you can actually use this to your, depending on what they like again, but you can use it to your advantage and learn, like get almost closer with them, you know, create, Make that part of your relationship, a fun part of your relationship, depending on the scenario. If they obviously don't like you and are aggressive, then use my first piece of advice of just quietly tapping out and not getting into it. But if they're like lovely people and you just disagree with them, use that as a way to get closer. Create some banter, but just don't try and change their mind. That's when things get really tense and that's when you get way too emotionally attached to your argument. If you try to change someone's mind, you then... Um, you get too upset and you get too emotional. Your aim should be, I'm going to seek to listen to what you have to say and I just want to put my point across. That's it. I don't, there needs, there's no outcome that I'm looking for here. We're just here to debate an interesting topic. End of story. Okay, the next one. When it comes to eating foods and people pushing things onto me, this is really, really important, guys, that you can stand up for yourself when you're doing that. A lot of the time, People don't respect when you say I'm going on this diet or I'm going on this health, you know, this new healthy lifestyle that I'm doing and people don't respect it and they try and push things onto you. They might initially do it and this doesn't mean that they're bad people at all, okay? But they might just do it because they're like, they think that you're missing out on fun. If it's dessert, they want you to have fun with them. They want you to join them. But sometimes some people can be a bit more malicious about it because they're trying to sabotage you. But that's that's not most people. Most people are nice, Okay. What you can say is, in response to that, I'm not asking you to actively help me achieve my goals, but I'm asking you to not actively sabotage my process. Can you do that for me or not? Can I trust that you'll at least respect my choices and not offer me anything? So there's a few things you can say in that. If they give a shit, they will agree. If they don't and they keep insisting, then you say, okay, noted. And just say that, just say, okay, noted. And then from then onwards, you're going to take some active steps to not eat with that person. I don't care if they're your fucking partner. If they don't respect you and they're trying to shove food in your face when you're eating, whether it's sweets or whatever, 
You take some steps and create some boundaries. If they care about you and they want to share meals with you, they're going to change quick, smart, okay? They're not going to fuck around for too much longer. You teach people how to treat you. You you say, okay, if you don't want to respect me while we eat, not a problem. I'm just going to create some boundaries. For myself, it's got nothing to do with you. For myself, and I'm not going to eat in front of you anymore. That way I, you know, I can have a bit more control over the eating because I normally cave when you offer me something. I don't want to be doing that. If you don't want to help me, not a problem. I'll help myself. Okay. That's how it's going to be. Last one. My, someone said my family, I'll always drop everything for them, but they won't go out of their way for me. So this is where you can say, guys, I'm not going to be able to help you this week. My plate is full. So I'm giving you a bit of notice. Okay. And then at the end of that week, when they come back for more, say it again. And then they're going to find out very soon that your plate is always going to be too full for their shit. Okay. Now, another thing that I want you to also remember is that you have to learn to tell people that your free time does not mean that you are available to help them or that you are available to do something with them or for them. You've got to say that, like often what I say to people is, I've scheduled some free time for myself, so I'm not going to be able to do that afternoon. I let them know in advance. For example, if someone, like I've got some friends that are like, have way more free time than I do. And they're like, well, what are you doing? You know, Thursday afternoon or Friday afternoon, whatever. And I'll say, Wednesday, I can't. Thursday, I've scheduled some free time for myself. Friday, and I just keep rolling it like that. Okay. No explanation needed. You have set that time aside for you. So then If you're one of those people that are like always posting on Instagram or whatever, and they see that you're out for burgers that night, but they asked you out, you already said, I scheduled some fucking free time for myself. They have no say what you do in that time. Okay. You need to, you don't have to make excuses for why you can't see people. Honesty is always the best policy and just be straight up and say that you are taking some time to do something for yourself. End of story. And if they say, oh, but I asked you to hang out, just say, oh, this was scheduled in my time for me. Okay. Now, just to kind of wrap this up, for those of you that struggled with saying no because you're like a people pleaser, understand that the first few times will feel awkward. It will feel weird. It might even be, if not definitely, anxiety provoking, okay? But the gain long-term that you're going to get is priceless, okay? You begin to set the tone for the relationship, whether it's a friendship or family or whatever. And not only do you begin to set the tone there, but then you set the tone for yourself, for new relationships that come into your life. Often people that are people pleasers are people pleasers across the board. And that's why they're burnt out, drained, stretched, and pulled in so many directions, okay? So once you start implementing this with some people, you're going to find it easier and easier and easier to do it across the board and then with anyone new that enters your life. Super important to remember that. Don't expect it to be fun and easy at the beginning because then if if you're expecting it to be so easy, then when you do it, you're like, oh, that was unpleasant. I don't want to do it again. Expect it to be unpleasant the first few times. That's fine. Sit with the discomfort and it will be so worth it in the long term. Like you've got to build it up. You've got to build it up just like you would a muscle, just like you would knowledge with everything. You train people, you train yourself. Okay. Like for example, let's use myself and Liv. Like Liv's a very strong personality. She's great, whatever, but she gets people can manipulate her more for as far as pity goes. Like I don't give pity that easily, right? Whereas Liv will, okay? So I've got friends who literally will speak to Liv totally different 
to how they speak to me as far as emotional manipulation goes. Like I've seen the messages that Liv gets from the same person versus from what I get. And it comes down to the fact that Liv is more patient and she'll put up with more bullshit than I will. Whereas when it comes down to it, anyone like those friends, clearly they know me and they're not going to waste my time with it unless they want it dished back. They know that I'm there for them if it's legitimate. But this bullshit back and forth, black, emotional blackmail, they don't even fucking try it with me. But they'll try it with Liv. And I see these messages on the same day, right? So it's all about teach people how to treat you. And don't get me wrong. People come to me all the time for help when they actually need it. But I rarely now, I used to a lot, but now rarely do I get dished emotional blackmail or people trying to guilt me? They know that it, it's not going to fucking fly with me. So they don't bother wasting their time and energy. They try and do it on someone else that works. And it's unfortunate for the next person, but it's not unfortunate for me. I'm thrilled. And I built it up that way. And you can too. If you're a people pleaser, you can still do that with boundaries. So look back, revisit everything I said in this episode and start to implement these things. Stop needing to make excuses. Stop apologizing. Stop letting your arm be twisted, okay? You have more power than you give yourself credit for, okay? Use that power and it's fucking going to change your life. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Oh, I can't believe this episode has gone for nearly an hour. Wild. Thank you for listening. I love my beans so much. As always, please keep sharing it and spreading the word of mouth. I love you all so much. Literally, you keep me young. Um, As always, guys, be kind to yourself. Be kind to your brains. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke.